week two recap of the fantasy pipeline league. <laughs> Welcome to the what are, what's the name of this? Pipeline Fantasy Pod. PFP, mm. baby. I almost what's the name of it? Our, yeah. I almost lost our roots. What's our name again? Um this is That's a Blink one eighty two song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blink one eighty two. I miss, oh, we should do like an I miss you little round table here. We need right sick on the call. Ha right sick dude. Just a shame that he doesn't know a whole lot about football. Yeah. It's all right. Anyways, this is the Pipeline Fantasy Pod. We're back with a, another phenomenal episode, which is sure to be great. Uh, I am your host, joined as always with Gaines, Jake Gaines. Hey, What's Grant. Up, I appreciate you forecasting our show to be good. Oh, I mean, it's a have, have we ever missed? <laughs> probably at least once. Yeah, we probably have one, one dud episode, but... Um, and we are also joined here with a very special guest, Mr. Shrey Matal. Welcome to the pod, man. Thank you so much. Second time around and uh, very glad to be here. We're really glad to have you here. Um, I almost described you or I almost introduced you as discreetly tanking, but that would be disingenuous. Yeah. Just, and what's your new name? I am glad on a uh, podcast where you both were on it. Uh, I know Gaines was struggling with the name and he didn't understand the reference, but I'm glad you picked it up because I didn't even know how to spell it. It's a Seal Terry, uh, 2007 comebacks movie, which was hmm. probably in the single digits for Rotten Tomatoes reviews. So not like recommending anyone should watch it, but it's uh, pretty apt for my team name. That's yeah. one of those, uh, that's one of those parody movies, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you remember back in the day, like it's like, it's like movies, not, yeah, it's like not, movie, a, not another, things. not another teen movie. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually surprised games you haven't seen it. A, a football pair. I, I, I mean, I I definitely saw it. There was a zero percent chance that I would get any reference. It's probably the most forgettable movie I've ever watched. I distinctly remember somebody getting like hit and hit a mi- like a mile down the field. Well, that Somebody's, was it. That's a seal Terry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I have the picture of it. There was I, I could not recollect any details relating to the humans involved the the bald guy from uh anchorman isn't it and he is the the whammy guy you know uh Uh, he's in it he's uh he's in the office he's uh he's in the office too yeah Yeah. he plays the same role in every everything he's a good actor though there's a job for him you know he's it's important there's a lot of people with niche niche roles he's definitely cornered that market in terms of acting roles (laughs) one of one Old guy, but hair on the side, fat. <laughs> yeah, he's crushed it. He's the only guy. It's kind of like how Drew Barrymore cornered the market of uh, cute girls that don't remember the day before them <laughs> and need fifty <laughs> dates in order to fall in love with someone. <laughs> that would just be so exhausting. I, I like, I love Melina to death, but I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> you don't think you can get her to fall in love with you every day? God, what a what a challenge that would be, huh? It's just the remote, like like she had to wake up. They were on a cruise ship, right at the end, or like a boat, not a at the end. Ship. Yeah, yeah, it's a fishing boat. It's not a lot, you know. I saw um, that movie very recently. That's why it's top of mind. <laughs> no, that was an absolutely qual absolute quality joke. James. Really appreciate it. It wasn't a joke. It's a reference. There's a difference. <laughs> Jesus, take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Gaines, you want to go through the agenda? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll kick it off with number one on the agenda, which is, uh, so we are thrown for a little bit of a loop because we were really digging that 303 reference. And now we've got three people on the pod 
and we've got two observations per pe person and we now do two two OBs. Two oh three. Two oh two oh three. And that is in that is an area code of Connecticut. Yeah, so, that is it. That is the two oh three. Yeah, we're talking uh, what Stanford. Yeah, we're Bridgeport. going south, southwest, <laughs> southwest Connecticut. Southwest Connecticut. Yeah, southwest Connecticut. Shout out to the two oh three. We could yeah. also cross reference sports and go the triple double route. Well, three two. Who triple double could go with the full house? Love that. Love that cards. Little cards. Yeah. So this could be the uh, the Danny. <laughs> what is Uncle it? Je Uncle Jesse, Danny, and Joey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which character are you? What character am I? I mean, I'm John Stamos. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, I don't want the other two. So. <laughs> oh, Joey's funny. And Bob Saget's a funny person. You see Bob Saget on, on Entourage, all time cameo. He's hysterical. Oh, I need to watch that. God, Grant. Um, Stop watching football, man. Start watching Bob Saget. Love Island. Sure, you know man. Sag you know Bob Saget's birthday? Uh, May 18th. <laughs> so you're 17th? <laughs> May 17th. I share a birthday with Bob Saget. Wow. The ultimate dad. That's a wow. This is heavy this been the the most focused pod we've had for sure. <laughs> we're, we're focused on fun. That's for sure. Writing the ship here. Um, yeah, we have two observations for each of us, which, if math is good, still equals six observations. We're not cutting short. And I like this version also because it feels like we, if you have two observations per person, you can do one per team. Didn't quite work out like that, at least for me, every time. But All right. more or less. Wow, Grant, you you focused on one team for both of your observations. That's kind of fucked up. You know what's really fucked up about it is that it's Shrey and John's matchup, and I both of my observations are on John's. But uh, I am. I'm looking at him right now. I, oh, I, that's why I have the bonus one. That's also because <laughs> that's because I figured we would also give Shrey the floor for a minute to talk about kind of this. You know how we had a, the state of your quarterbacks last week. We could do a state of the uh, the the seal Terry's. Well, I think I think after our observations, we can we can dive into Trey's team. We can do a yes. little bit of an interview section. Uh, yeah. I've got some hard hitting questions that I'm ready to let go. Um, oh man, I think I think the whole the whole fantasy universe from here to Singapore would be interested to hear about the direction <laughs> of your team. Nowhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> here or Singapore. All right, all right, so let's kick it off. Uh, Shrey, do you want to do the honors actually? First matchup. Yeah, let's. Can you introduce the matchup, Shrey? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Our this was a barn matchup, burner. First matchup we're looking at is the uh, Benjamin Speck and or Team Speck playing up against <laughs> Jacob Kinser and the Tiger Kings. We the Tiger Kings were able to pull out a last second victory, winning one fifty nine to one thirty eight. The first observation I would note on this game is Mike Williams, the ultimate post-hype sleeper. This is giving me a lot of, like, and it's probably a bad reference because a year later he didn't turn out to be as great, but he's giving me a lot of Devontae Parker vibes. Devontae Parker 2.0, as he was hyped up a lot being, what, a top five, top 10 pick in the 2017 draft, and really kind of produced, I and mean, he had a thousand yard season, a couple touchdowns last year, but, for didn't really like line up for his capital up until now. And I think at the start of the season, I'm really liking what I saw from Mike Williams. I think he's turned out to be a bona fide number two in that offense. And 
can definitely take the reins over whenever Keenan Allen eventually decides to go down. So Mike Williams to me is a, is a very, very impressive uh, flex option on team specs team. Yeah. I'd like to chime in here, Grant, if you don't mind. Uh, I love big Mike Williams. Big, I've been a, I've been a big Mike Williams fan for, for life. I'm, I'm the guy that keeps going back every year saying, this is his year. This is his year. This is his year. This is his year. I'm telling you, <laughs> Mike Williams is fully here. Uh, to talk about your point, he did have a thousand yard season. He also had a 10 touchdown season his sophomore year. Um, it, it's always felt like he's had the talent. Obviously he's had the talent. I don't know if you've seen any of his, his film from Clemson. I don't know if you've gone back through the archives, but uh, he is, he has some very, very impressive, tape like when you watch Mike Williams play he makes outrageous catches you know above his frame he goes up he has no regard for his body and that's you know caused him to be injured here and there just like RJ man no regard for his body just, <laughs> no throwing regard his body for his body. just throwing his body around <laughs> willy-nilly uh but so and I know Grant doesn't want to hear this but Mike Williams is the most targeted and he is the number one option on the Chargers right now like the through two weeks, if we're talking targets, we're talking production in the receiving game, he has been the best receiver. He's the, I think he's a top 10 receiver in fantasy right now. Um, but that's a great, that's a great little call there. Trey on Devonte Parker. They're, they're similar that they play, you know, above the rim, but uh, Mike has had some production in the past prior. So like, I think there, I think there's always been hope. It was more of just, can he get the looks? Can he get the targets to finally produce? Because we know the talent's there. And, you know, he's only what? He's got to be 26 years old. Now, I think he's entering his prime. He's about to be at, he's at the last year of his rookie contract. Uh, We'll see if he's going to be a core part of Specs team moving forward. Or what do you think he fetches these days? What do you think? What do you think the cost of Mike Williams is right now? If you, if, if, for instance, a contender who's two and zero, who has some uh, questionable flex positions, wanted to uh, acquire a certain someone that is the leading receiver on the Chargers. Uh, what would he have to pay? What would he pay? Well, I, I definitely think a second's way too light, and so you're going to have to involve a first one way or the other here. <laughs> and I also think that it involves uh, a first, considering he's on his last year of his contract. And you, don't, you don't know where he's going, so it's you a, don't know where he's going. Which can I'll probably be just thing. throw in Josh Allen too, to be honest, just to, <laughs> just to make it safe. Josh <laughs> Allen and a first for Mike Williams. So that give me up, bro. I will push All back right. a little bit on the uh, just the point around uh, him being number one option. You know, like, yeah, in terms of targets for the first two weeks of the year, but like, and this is purely eye test. I know we're a big eye test podcast, so um, it just seems like on the third down put passes it seems like they're going strong for Keenan Allen over Mike Williams that was just kind of my quick observation I don't know if that requires much more no Keenan Allen's definitely the goat um Jake was just stirring the pot there I think and numbers don't lie I mean first two weeks Mike Williams has been a freaking step also shout out to Speck for starting him not sure if that's a influenced by the pod because Gaines was definitely raving about Mike Williams last week too I love Mike Williams baby yeah I'm going to go my, – my first observation from this matchup is just the, the fantasy whiplash, how fun of an actual matchup this was. Um, Sunday night games, you love the late games, right? Um, you hate you hate having a guy on the other team have a late, late guy go, especially if he's a, a stud player. And Jake Kinser just had to sit on his couch on Sunday night and watch Lamar Jackson uh, 
Mark Andrews did all right. See, Hollywood Brown. Hollywood, Hollywood Brown was on spec's bench. But spec, Team Spec just skyrocketed up, and he, all of a sudden you blinked, and Team Spec had the lead. And then Tiger Kings, all he had sitting on Sunday night was what? TJ Hawkinson and Aaron, Aaron Jones. You knew it was going to be a phenomenal matchup, and boom, Aaron Jones, TJ Hawkinson combined for, what, 54 points there, 55 points. Absolutely incredible. Took the lead, took the win, and yeah. That's my my first observation is the fantasy whiplash high scoring matchup. I will say uh, I texted Kinser on Monday night, can basically congratulating congratulating him after I don't know at the third touchdown um, for Aaron Jones, and the messages did go through because he was flying. So it's a pretty nice bonus to land, oh, and cool. he was just like thirty points later covered everything, and it was just like wow, wow that is a perfect true. present. Like, that is and I true. got. I got to imagine the scaries are pretty heavy coming in, flying back in on a Monday night, you know? And so that's a nice way to ease your way into the Tuesday week. Yeah, I'm going to rapid fire. We're going to snake draft this. So I'm going to hit both of my observations right here. Um, bouncing off of yours, we got Hollywood Brown is my observation. Hollywood Brown had a nice night. And I think the, the better thing for spec when it comes to Hollywood Brown is that it seems like he's starting to show some consistency going back to last year. Um, with Jarvis Landry being out for over the next couple of weeks, potentially, um, it's probably nice for him to have that stack that he knows he can rely on a little bit with Hollywood Brown. Cause I test has always show, shown that Hollywood Brown is a good receiver. Um, but we've always had the question of can Lamar get him the ball, but it seems like he's the option. Um, so good for spec in the wake of the Jarvis Landry injury. And then, uh, my second observation is for Kinser's team, uh, He's been riding. Daryl Henderson has been a top, probably a top five fantasy back this year. Top six through two weeks. Um, he got hurt last year, and that's going to open the door for Sony Michelle to get to start next week. Um, it's going to be curious to see what the workload is like between Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle, and can he really rely on on Daryl Henderson as a as a week in week out fantasy starter? Um, because we know, I know you're about to say something about. Clyde Edwards Alaire, uh, not to spoil Trey, but uh, he's he, we've talked about his uh, his question marks at those that running back position. So it's curious how Daryl Henderson, who's been his top producing running back so far, is going to uh, going to perform moving forward. Yeah, and I don't think we ever questioned the, the talent of Daryl Henderson. It's really, oh, he's electric, man. Yeah, electric. Is that health factor? Yeah, Shrey, if we're doing uh, the snake, allow me to to uh, do my get my second one out of the way. And it's wide receivers without good quarterbacks. I feel like there's a lot of panic and hesitation to put them into your starting lineup. And I'm talking specifically on Kinster's side. We're looking at Scary Terry, as really his whole career had kind of a question mark at the QB position. This week was no different with Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, quarterbacks who aren't the best tend to – zone in on their their number one target and Terry definitely benefited from that but Terry McLaurin's production has just been outrageous his whole career and it doesn't look like it's any different this year last Thursday he had 14 targets 22 fantasy points incredible but another guy that I want to shout out is Brandon Cooks Brandon Cooks has had two quiet amazing weeks he's the the 10 receiver right now um 10th ranked receiver based on fantasy points and he's had Terod Taylor thrown to him and then Davis Mills. And that'll continue on Thursday as Davis Mills is now the starting quarterback. So I'm just wondering if 
he still has that flex value given the shaky quarterback position there at, at, in Houston. I'm I'm not convinced yet necessarily, but Brandon Cooks seems to be the only guy really in Houston that's worth starting. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely see Ken Sir's team having a couple wide receivers with bad quarterbacks. You mentioned Terry, Brandon Cooks, Stefan Diggs. I mean, all bad quarterbacks kind of at the helm. Boom. <laughs> 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 well, that's why I'm sure um, for Mike Williams. <laughs> uh, I, I I completely agree. I, I'm really curious to see Brandon Cooks uh, next week. I want to know what uh... – I don't have the stats in front of me, but I wonder how many, how much of that production came with, uh, with Davis Mills versus Tyra Taylor. Yeah. I'm not sure. Last week. Um, yeah. that'd, that'd be interesting. It's funny, Grant. So when you put that in the, in, as one of your observations, I saw on certain QB play, I want to talk about previously, I wanted to talk about, uh, just the plethora of quarterback questions in, that this matchup had between, uh, between Zach Wilson throwing four picks and uh, Baker Mayfield getting hurt that I thought, you know, there could be some questions at the quarterback position for both these guys. But um, I saw where you're going now after you explained it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, one of the things that you mentioned, Grant, is with regards to potentially starting Brandon Cooks and his flex spot uh, next week. And I think it's going to be a bigger and easier question to answer considering the current flex spot position, which is my second observation. Clyde Edwards Elair not performing up to par in his uh, 2021 season. And I know I make a ton of jokes around like Clyde being a complete scat back, which he truly is. Um, but like the jokes really kind of, there's a, it's a sensitive subject because I traded away the 105 and Terry McLaurin for Matt Stafford. And that 105 turned out to be Clyde Edwards Elair. So I've had like a personal vendetta against him. But trying to be as unbiased as possible, I'm very worried less so about his true talent and more so about, one, how the Kansas City Chiefs have been using him. He was one of the best pass catchers in college at LSU, and I thought really that they were going to leverage that skill of his. Turns out he gets zero targets last game, right? And you combine that with, I don't think he's ever going to be really a successful goal linebacker. Um, and there are a lot of PFF numbers that are showing that he has just not been effective even between the twenties this year. Um, all of that is to say, I don't want to overreact to a small sample size for this year. Having said that, it's starting to build upon a 2020 campaign that wasn't the best for the position that he was in. Um, and I'm really, really curious to see that. I think his next six to eight weeks are kind of make or break for what he's going to end up being in the Kansas city offense, because if I were Andy Reid. I would likely move to more of a timeshare, involve Daryl Williams, involve even Jared McKinnon compared to Clyde Edwards-Elair and the performance he's had so far. I don't know if if he's really looking forward to like, I don't know, starting a timeshare with Daryl Williams. Like they already do. Like it's not anything significant. I do agree with you that from eye test, I do think that CEH is a good running back. Like he's a good football player and you saw that in his college tape and you saw it you saw it in flashes last year where, you know, he ran really well. He's always a hard person to get down. He's uh, very versatile as a running back. Um, but to your point, he doesn't look good. I test wise, he doesn't look good in, in the red zone. He doesn't look good inside the five yard line. He can't seem to punch it in. And, you know, when you have Patrick Mahomes and, and you're targeting Travis Kelsey 15 times a game, and then you're traveling or targeting Tyree kill 15 times a game, there's just not a lot of looks to go around. Like that team has an identity and it's Patrick Mahomes. 
if CH is anything, it's it's no, nothing more than the third option in that offense. Yeah, I think his, his ceiling is definitely capped because of that. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. All right, let's move to our second matchup, which features our, our guest here. Mr. Shreymatal was the, the victim to a pretty good outing from Mr. Chris Johns. Uh, took the L. What was the score here? Let's see. Oh, 134 to 113. Shrey just did yes. not have the juice in week two. Sad. Shrey moves to 0 and 2. Had the, yeah. the hockey point from week one, but did not come out with a hockey point this week. Shrey, let's let's hear your 0-1. Yeah. So <clears throat> this was just a not a, not a great week overall. Um, I got salvaged by Travis Kelsey having a, a good week, but all across the board, all my guys underperformed projections outside of Matt Gay. I love Matt Gay. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's been a, it was a tough week. Um, I think one of the saving graces is that this year there's been a pretty clear delineation. I'll get into this a little later with one of my uh, future observations, but there's a pretty clear delineation with seven pretty clear contending teams and five non-contending teams. Um, and I think because of that, Combined with my early schedule, I was going through my opponents. Um, five of the six or six of the seven teams that I'm playing um, are going to be very, very uh, competitive. So I'm not too, too worried early on. Um, having said that, jumping to my first observation, uh, I think one of the things that I saw in this game was uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I think this was a really interesting uh battle in the number one that slash number two receiver for an explosive offense in the Los Angeles Rams. I expect the Rams to lead the league in passing attempts uh, by the end of the year. And I also think Gaines's prediction seems to be getting more and more traction the further we go, which is Cooper Cup will potentially set the NFL record for most amount of catches in an NFL season. Um, now, I think all of that is to say that this offense can really support two viable receivers. Um, but I think Robert Woods has taken a pretty clear backseat to Cooper Cup and what I would say is now a one and a two, whereas I think coming into the season, it would have been a one A and one B. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, coming into the season, it was like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. It felt like the same thing every year, right? It was like, who's the number one in, in that offense? And I talked about Robert Woods last week, how I was a little bit concerned with his usage. He didn't seem to get the ball a lot. They didn't manufacture touches for him. He only had five targets. He had nine targets this week. I'm feeling a little bit better about Robert Woods uh, moving forward. But Cooper Cup is clearly the number one. I mean, he's uh, – I don't think that uh, – I don't think that he's on pace to set the NFL single-season reception record, even with the extra game with Michael Thomas's 149. I don't think he's on pace for that, but uh, he is currently leading or tied for the lead uh, in receptions. And that is definitely something that I'll be tracking uh, moving forward. <laughs> I mean, that would be he's an a extraordinarily impressive uh, shout out if you get that. I did forget about the extra game, though. I, I, I put I put my money where my mouth is. I do have a little bit of, a little bit of cash on Cooper Cup uh, leading the league in receptions. So uh, in the game, there you go. I got some skin in the game. My first observation is, you have to say it with some, some gusto, Tony. We got Tony Pollard on, on Chris Johns' bench putting up <laughs> 21 and a half points. And 
it's definitely not not a timeshare situation. Uh, I was just looking at snap counts. It looks like Zeke was on the field before seventy one percent versus Tony Pollard's thirty four percent. Yeah, we're losing is, you. We're losing you, Grant. Speak into the microphone. You lost me. Yeah, there you go. All right, yeah. I'm just. I, we heard you, but it was it was breaking up. You heard me, okay? Yeah, no. There, there's not a timeshare by any <laughs> means, but anytime Tony Pollard touches the ball, he's doing pretty good work with it. I mean, he's this week he had 13 totes for 109 yards and a score eight and a half yards in average carry. Um, he's just kind of balling out and kind of eaten into Zeke's production a little bit. So Zeke had a pretty good fantasy day himself, but just saying that's something to keep an eye on to see if Dallas uh, has some more maintenance with Zeke this year and, and rolls out Tony Pollard. And, and like Chris Johns mentioned, it seems that there's some design plays for Tony. So just another thing to keep your eye on. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Tony Pollard had 16 touches last week. Do you think that's going to keep up? Like that's a lot of touches for a number two back, even the guy that's not on the field very much. Sounds like that his touch per per snap ratio is pretty high. Yeah, it's high. 21 snaps. Yeah. He only had 21 snaps and he had 14 touches. He had he touched the ball in two thirds of his snaps. That's insane. I will say I I did see and a lot of articles and the game script was that they are recommitting to the run moving second week onwards. It'll be really interesting to see if they hold on to that moving forward. There could be a couple of weeks if this does continue where bye weeks start hitting that game or that Johns might start both Zeke and Tony Pollard at the same time. I could definitely see that happening. Oh, be interesting. It could happen. It saves your floor. Bless you. Bless you. I think he muted himself for the second one. So now just, <laughs> just blessing someone, but no one. <laughs> yeah, no, Tony, Tony Pollard does look great every time he touches the ball. I do think that Zeke is uh I think the decline of Zeke is still underrated. Like he's still a cow. Like that guy's a cow. You watch him run, he's he's a load. Um <laughs> real I agree with that. I don't think he's a bell cow. He's just a cow. Um, just a cow. Just grass-fed, organic. I know. I like Zeke. I mean, it's not like it's not like if I'm Johns, I'm not starting Tony Pollard over Zeke just because he had a, you know. Disagree. I'm still starting Zeke. I'm starting Zeke. You know, yes, it would be a bold, a bold time. You know, it would be a bold time to do that is when Johns plays me. Start Tony Pollard. I dare you. <laughs> dare him. Dare him. Uh, all right, I'm gonna rip around both of my observations in this matchup here. Oh, uh, this is just a quick little Patrick. Patrick Mahomes appreciation post. That guy's good, man. He's good. He put up 24 points. He puts up 20, 24, 25 points a game. Like, he's playing the Baltimore defense in Baltimore and just, like, engineered five touchdowns. They lost the game and lost me money by proxy, but he played really well. So, uh, God, it must be feel really good to have a quarterback that's just good. You know what I mean? Like, like imagine. <laughs> Just imagine, man. Just imagine. Yeah, like two uh, broken ankles, Carson Wentz. As long as, as Chris Johns is Patrick Mahomes, which he will, spoiler forever, uh, dynasty, you know. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> I really thought about that. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you can't really be that mad at your team, <laughs> uh, even if they've underperformed historically. <laughs> uh, zing. Woo. Uh, all right. Boom. So shout out Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Trey, question for you. Saquon Barkley, arguably the most talented player on our team. Is that correct? That's probably accurate. What was he doing sitting on your bench this week, bud? Uh, it, by the looks of his performance, I think it made the right decision, right? Like it's, uh, 
I don't know. I think he outscored AB and scored the same amount as a guy in a timeshare. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the issue with him is just it, the I need one week of being able to see it, right? Like he's right. gonna he'll get there, but all right. Are you starting next week? Right now? Yes. Whew. Ten days of rest. I'm starting him against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe. Yeah. Not worried he's gonna be a little tight. Actually, he's playing against the Falcons. <laughs> Uh, no, 10 days is all I need. I saw that 41 yard scamper and it got me hot and bothered. <laughs> I agree with well, that. Well, you're, you're yeah, going to need Especially he's playing Atlanta. I mean, the Falcons are absolute high garbage. So, Although the Bucks didn't run for a lot on him, on the Atlanta. <laughs> It's because the Bucks don't run at all. Oh, yeah, fun observation. This, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to say this. I, I, I don't think. Uh, we can. I'll save it for later. I'll save it for a future discussion. What a tease! That Ooh. is a professional. We've got tease. we got something oh, coming up. We got something coming up. But I'm just gonna. I love my boy Tom Brady. I gotta. I'm gonna. We'll we'll get to it. Grant, what's your second observation? My second observation is Tyler Lockett's doing that thing again, where he oh, just he scores a lot of points. Yeah, scores a lot of points. <laughs> And I'm more, I'm wondering if he's front loading it or if he's for real this year. You know what I mean? Like Tyler Lockett last last two three seasons has just exploded for 40 points on random ass occasions, and now he's just like consistently doing it. Like, dude, it's those fucking over the shoulder catches, like deep down the field. Really, he's the dude, made, literally dude. only he only really makes catches. Like I've never seen him catch the ball like in front of him. Never once. I've never seen him once catch the ball in his hands with his eyes looking at the ball like in front of him. I've only seen over the shoulder Willie Mays catches. It's like the only thing that I've ever seen. And it's, it's unbelievable. And his touchdown catch was kind of hilarious. It's like a, the epitome of just defensive players not knowing what to do with Tyler Lockett, like chasing him, running into each other, and then he just scampers away for another 40 yards. Like So if he was a Pokemon, which Pokemon would he be? Snarl, snarl, larf, larf. All right. That's that's an uneducated that's an uneducated take. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I could back you up. I, I forget my Pokemon. Sorry, it's been 15 years. But uh, I will say the lack of DK Metcalf production, which is finally correlated with Tyler Lockett's booms, that's what would make me a little worried. I think uh, Russell Wilson always kind of performs earlier rather than later in the season. So I'm really curious to see if it continues. But kind of ditto everything else you said there. My last observation, actually, before we jump to Shrey's last one, so I have a bonus one, is everyone stop what you're doing right now. Open the fantasy app. Scroll to Curtis Samuels. Samuel? Is it plural? Samuel. One, Samuel. one, one. Okay, Samuel. there's just there's one. There's one Curtis. And look at his picture and tell me he is not the cutest little snack you've seen. Great photo. Curtis Samuel, he's on the IR. You got to go all the way to the bottom of uh, Seal Terry, but it's worth it. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, yeah, and my last one, uh, I'll give a little 2.5, actually. I just recognized that four of the five IR slots between Johns and myself are juniors. There you got Jeff Wilson, Jr., <laughs> Odell Beckham, Jr., Lynn Bowden, Jr., Travis Etienne, Jr. JR yeah. as well. Yeah, a lot of juniors. A lot of juniors getting hurt. And dude, William, <laughs> William Fuller the fifth could have been on that list. <laughs> That's the ultimate junior. Yeah, well, I don't think was he out or oh he was out. Yeah, he was, it was out. a personal yeah. issue, but uh, yeah. But he'll, his injury is coming soon. Um, yeah, all right, so my last <laughs> my last observation is uh, I know Gaines has been chirping me about not starting Rob Gronkowski the past two weeks, 
Um, I think the first week didn't make any sense because you can't bake on, bank on the fact that your tight end is going to give you that type of production. But two weeks in a row and seeing the way he's been utilized in the red zone very consistently, I think the thing that like he's always been touchdown dependent and he will continue to be touchdown dependent more so, okay, always being in Tampa Bay's offense. Um, but the thing that really gives me assurance to start moving forward is the lack of Cameron Brake the usage that he has seen compared to Rob Gronkowski, like Gronk's really ingratiated himself as the number one tight end. I don't know if it required a full year in the off season, even though he doesn't watch film and doesn't train apparently. Um, it's just, just been doing something. Tide, he's just doing Tide Pod commercials. Yeah. Tide Pod, Tide yeah, Pod. USAA, like, yeah, USA, he's, yeah. He's got all of his commercials down, but um, yeah. Or OJ Howard. Team over. Or, or, or OJ Howard. OJ Howard. Howard hasn't been getting anything either. Yeah. Uh, Damn, gains of the wine just hit you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He'll listen to that one back tomorrow. He's blocked out already. I got <laughs> red face, <laughs> big time Redskins. Uh, what was I going to say about Gronk? Guys, <laughs> oh my god! Oh, the celebration. Well. He I was spikes, just gonna. He spikes the ball. It's pretty cool. Wow, fucking crazy! Uh, I've never seen that before. By Gronk, 101 times. As a matter of fact, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, they're chasing that touchdown record. Gronk said it on the uh, on the Peyton Neal. Uh, Marvin Harrison. Yeah, they said it on the Peyton Neal. I think they're, and maybe this is where I'll say it because we're gonna talk about my matchup next, and that's when I was gonna talk about it. But watching the Bucks games just straight up, like as a Ronald Jones owner, and just like seeing him on the field on the one yard line when Ronald Jones literally has never been stopped on the goal line in his life, literally never, ever Tom Brady will literally audible at the line of scrimmage to to throw a touchdown pass every single time they're there. And I love Tom and the dude is competitive as hell and he wants his touchdowns, but I'm letting you know, the bucks might not rush for a touchdown all year. Every single one of their touchdowns on the offensive side of the ball might be Tom Brady audibling and saying, I'm just going to throw the ball in the end zone. So I completely agree. <laughs> and I will also say that if you get to the one yard line, you don't have a better quarterback scrambler at the one yard line than Tom sneaker. Brady sticking sneaker scrambler. Uh, yeah, you actually, that's a good point. You can't call Tom Brady a scrambler, but a hey, sneaker he's, he's to just take that ball. Extend hey, he loves it right eggs. eggs. He loves eggs. But, but yeah, I I'm just saying that. good luck. Good luck watching a Tampa Bay rushing touchdown this year because it's not happening. <laughs> Bet the under. That's an every week thing too. Yeah. Put your money where your every, mouth is again. Every week, well, I don't know if they're going to keep doing it because I feel like, I feel bad for Rojo and Lenny Fournette. They're just like, <laughs> they, Tom might feel bad for them at some point. No, man, they're all about winning football games. They don't care about personal accolades or stats. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't care about their their incentives. Their money. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> you guys hate money. They just love winning football games. All right, Gaines, you you want to call out matchup three? Oh yeah, I. Uh, Oh yeah. Took, took Dobkin to the woodshed this week. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure it was 149 to 105. The yard goats uh, took down I root for injuries. Not surprising considering one team wants to win and one team wants to lose. Uh, my first observation. Oh, oh boy. We're going to talk about big Derrick Henry right now. Oh yeah, we are. Uh, big Derrick Henry, arguably my favorite person to watch in the entire NFL because he just fucking lumbers. And then like, you look at him and all of a sudden he's like faster than the safety. Like, I don't get it. Uh, he put up 44.7 points and like 37 of them came in the second half. Like 
I was a little bit nervous, not going to lie. I was a little bit nervous. First of all, I was nervous I was going to lose to Dobkin. Second of all, I was nervous that Derrick Henry had like, I don't know, like 80 yards on like 25 carries through the first quarter and a half or first game and a half of football. And I was like, oh shit, like, did he, like, is he, is he done? Uh, answer, he's not done. He ran for like 150 yards and three touchdowns uh, subsequent to me thinking that. So. But the question uh, is, when will he be done if he continues to touch the ball 40 times a game? See, that's the thing is, the, the, you know what the craziest thing about Derrick Henry's performance was, is that they were losing to the Seattle Seahawks by double digits and they still just like ran the ball at Derrick Henry. And that's how they won the game. Like yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they literally were like, he is our best chance of winning. We're just going to keep giving him the ball and he's going to score a, three touchdowns. And they beat Seattle in Seattle. Yeah, I I, I got to say, as a Tannehill <laughs> owner, like this last game scared me a lot because I think they just went back to saying like, hey, Tannehill's not our best player. Derrick Henry is. And I completely agree with that concept if I was a Tennessee Titans fan. But as a Tannehill owner, it's just like, the touchdowns are going to be few and far between if Derrick Henry keeps running the way that he is for Tannehill and, and honestly, by extension, Julio Jones and, and uh, A.J. Brown. It's tough that uh, Julio Jones scored that touchdown. You see that? No, he totally he was, caught that, was, right? He caught he was, that. He yeah, caught it was that. like a blade of grass that was – Oh, my gosh. Uh, I so thought that looked incredible. Still, that was a great catch. I thought it was a great a, catch. Still had a fantastic fantasy day. Yeah. Trey, you want to do your first out? Absolutely. Uh, we kind of touched upon it. I know we're going to be touching on the Bucks offense a lot today, but the uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown trifecta. <clears throat> I love watching Chris Godwin play because I think he's an extremely talented receiver, but I also think Antonio Brown is very, very similar in skill set. And so it's very frustrating as an Antonio Brown owner who has con definitely convinced himself that they are all three on the equal plane rather than coming into the season, which was a clear like, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, 1A, 1B, and then a clear third of Antonio Brown. Like watching the route tree for these guys, it's a, an incredible like uh, weaponry that this team has. And let's just say if one of the two in front of Antonio Brown goes down injured, I am not going to be crying and I will probably be pretty happy. But all in all, this is a, an embarrassment of riches for the Bay Bucks. I'm going to be honest, Ray, and, and I – love the town of AB and I love the town of Evans and Godwin. Uh, I do think Godwin is the number one receiver in that offense by proxy of the position that he plays and the looks that he gets from Tom. He's ultimately the Z receiver. He's flanking. He's, you know, playing the slot. He's, he's in one wide receiver sets um, and he's getting the looks. He's getting the targets. Mike Evans is a touchdown dependent guy. He's their big, you know, we know who he is as a red zone threat and, and AB has shown that he's, really a deep threat. Like he's playing on the outside. He's not really playing in the slot. That's what he's, that's kind of how he's been, been utilized thus far. Um, if one of them were to go down, I don't think that they are, I don't, yes, I do think that like, you know, some of their targets will be placed elsewhere, but I think that Tom Brady is, is assist. Like he's, he plays the system. He knows those, I'm just saying he knows he knows where all of his receivers are. They've I just gave you that. I just gave you that look because the common criticism for Brady. Yeah, for I, I got you. System I mean, quarterback. So I, was like, I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I'm just saying he's he finds he finds the open receiver. There's going to be. It's not like they're only going to be playing two wide receiver sets. Uh, they'll have Jaden Darden, Jalen Darden, in uh, 
for Antonio Brown if he gets hurt. He'll they'll have Tyler Johnson in for Chris Godwin if he gets hurt. Uh, and they're going to get looks. Those are talented players. They're going to get looks just like everybody else gets looks. I think this is just the nature of Tom. You know, he's not focusing on every any one receiver, and he is going to target them. And it's going to be it's going to be game dependent. You're not going to know who's coming out first. But I do think Godwin on a game to game basis is the most reliable target of of the, of the three. Yeah, I I completely agree with the entire assessment. I will also say um, I was <clears throat> I've been trying to remove my subjective judgment in terms of starting and sitting people by like leveraging a lot of predictive models. And I will say a lot of them seem to have pointed to, and it's kind of flying in the face of the models I'm using, AB having just as many, if not a better day than um, than than Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in terms of fantasy production. Now, it will be interesting to see the next couple of weeks. And to your point, I definitely agree. Like, I think Brady's going to leverage the best player and the best system. But um, it'll be really, really curious to, to see if one of them does happen to go down. Because when you have an embarrassment of riches, oftentimes uh, someone might get injured once or twice. Anytime I hear the phrase embarrassment of riches, my mind immediately goes to Shrey. <laughs> and it's a, just a happy place. So thank you, Shrey, for introducing that phrase. Embarrassment of riches. You it's at least the second mentioned tonight and it won't be the last and that's okay. And in yeah. fact, it kind of bleeds into my first observation, which is Gaines's embarrassment of riches was a little embarrassing this week. Mm. Gaines's bench has been heralded long for a long time as a, a super strong spot. And he can really plug and play a ton of guys into his last two flex positions. And this week, the bench was suffering limping kind of a little bit but Damian Harris was the only one that overperformed everyone else it seems underperformed you got Josh Jacobs on the bench or on IR rather. yeah so 35 fantasy points on your bench I'm just wondering Gaines if you're worried about Corey Davis uh Dallas Goddard underperformed you have James Conner not scoring much Certainly not worried about my managerial skills here as we uh no that's yeah. <laughs> well uh I no, I'm not. Ultimately, I'm not worried. Corey Davis, I, I'm not worried about Corey Davis at all. I still think he's the number one receiver on, on the Jets. Tough matchup for Zach Wilson there. Um, Dallas Goddard, that was weird, you know, but Zach Ertz is on COVID. I don't know what he's doing. I think he'll be fine. I told you I'm worried about Ronald Jones because I don't think they're going to score any, anymore. Like, I, I don't think they're going to. I do inherently think that Ronald Jones is a good football player, and my common you know, thought process is that, you know, when you're playing on a team that scores 35 points a game and you're, and you're the best running back on the team that you're going to score touchdowns, he's not scoring touchdowns because Tom Brady's audibling out at the, at the goal line every time. Uh, so yeah, a little bit, but I, 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 I still feel confident that when the bye weeks roll around, I'll, I'll be, I'll have at least one player or two to, to plug and play. We'll say your most embarrassing miss in terms of projection versus actual performance was PJ Walker was presented projected 0.1 points and he got a fat donut. So riddle me that there, Gaines. That sounds like a strong performance by uh, Sammy Sleeves. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy Sleeves. All right, let's jump into my second observation. And honestly, didn't watch this game at all. I have no idea how he performed, so I'm leaning on you guys, but I'm observing that it happened. Uh, Fields takes the field. What do you think, boys? <laughs> wow, great play on words, Grant. Uh, I did not – Red Zone didn't show a single down of Justin Fields, maybe like two. Uh, so I am not sure. But if Andy Dalton it's, – it's based on what uh, Coach Nagy said, uh, they will play Andy Dalton if he's healthy. 
Um, chances are they'll play Justin Fields too. But um, I don't know. I mean, we talked about him last week. He's a hell of a talent. Him playing only helps Jason. So, yeah, I mean, his, his fantasy line is it didn't dazzle. Six of 13, an interception, 10 carries for 31 yards. So maybe kind of ducking and running a little early. I, I didn't watch the game. Um, there is a, an ESPN report that says Fields appears to, to be in line to make his first NFL start in Cleveland with number one quarterback Andy Dalton considered week to week with a knee injury. So maybe, And this is from this afternoon. So maybe things have developed where Dalton's injury looks more sure. So yeah, maybe well, Justin Fields does start. Yeah, I, Consider I, that must-watch television. I watched a little bit of the Cincinnati-Chicago game uh, on the side. And uh, I think the overall consensus is that he looked like a rookie being entrusted into the game halfway through, right? And given a full week of preparation, every single thing that I've seen says that you are able to better prepare and no backup quarterback prepares the same way when they are the backup, as opposed to going in knowing they're the starter. I would really base it off the next two to three weeks because I've heard the bone bruise that uh, Andy Dalton has is considered a, usually a very, very painful injury for a starting quarterback. And so... Um, I would expect to see Fields at least two games in a row, and that'll probably give a better evaluation of where he's at as a rookie, which even then, you know, he might stink the bed and be like, okay, well, we'll wait till next year. Stink the bed. Way to keep him PG-13, baby. <laughs> stink the bed or pee the bed. I'm just Hot trying tip. to see. Hot <laughs> tip, Tom. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, I uh, can jump into my second observation, and that is tanking for tanking's sake. Um and this is just more of like a general observation. Uh, I mentioned that I see five teams that I think are not necessarily competing. Um, I think what I would love to see just a little bit more of by the tanking teams is a clearer strategy to push towards. I think there is the opportunity to tank to get a great pick, but I think when you're all racing to the bottom, I think one, you're inherently just pulling away the talent that it can produce to get you a top pick, but to having tangible assets that aren't going to necessarily help you in the long run should be somehow torn apart. And I'm just really curious if there's one team that optimizes the way to tank both with regards to like, say, removing quarterbacks. If you were say Sean and you didn't have Tom Brady on your roster right now, you would have no starting quarterbacks, and the best you could do is roll Teddy out Trey Lance. Scott Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, right. Sorry. You Had a good out, game, 24 points. Roll out one starting quarterback or no starting quarterbacks if you want to trade both away. Um, I just think that we are, I think, as a league, tanking a little too early, and I know I've been beating this drum for a little while, um, but I, I've always – I've been 100% behind games on this one where I thought Dobkin could have had a competitive roster this year. Um, if he wants to tank, I understand. It makes sense, but, like, I would push for a little bit clearer of a strategy rather than like trading a first. And I think I forget what else for Cam Akers to come back from an Achilles there. Like, I don't know. I, so that's just my personal vendetta to hold against tankers. Yeah. And this is a 14 game regular season. So there's definitely room to, you know, compete. Like you can get off to an O and two start and still hundred percent come back and, and win a bunch of games. Um, to your point, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is the thing about Dobkin is we know that he's committed to the tank. 
He's he's openly said it. This is what he's doing. He's he's not tanking. He's playing his best team, but he is he is actively trying to to you know <laughs> to look. He's actively looking towards the future. Is what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and you know he better get something out of Derek Carr if he's tanking because Derek Carr's been playing well. Uh, thing is, I don't know who's I don't know who's buying. <laughs> hey, if he wants to flip him back from Marvin Jones Jr., I'll do it to right here, right now. <laughs> I wonder to what extent um, the decision to tank also or rebuild, whatever, has has to do with people having multiple fantasy teams too. Um, I'm a I'm a proud just solo owner, and it it I think it'd be harder for me to just commit to the tank before seeing what my team's got because yeah, it, it's a full season that you're you know giving away basically. It's fun though. It could be fun. I definitely see the value in developing players. And and I know Jason, like he, I know his mindset would be like, you're, you're being a real GM, you're developing younger guys. I'm totally fine with that strategy. I just think for league health, like having five non-competitive teams and seven competitive almost kills the value of the regular season, right? Like now it's just spec and myself competing for the fringe six spot. Like if you look at ESPN's, uh, you know, playoff predictions, you probably have not five teams with an over 80% chance. Like that's just not like competitive, you know, and, and I, that's kind of the, the vendetta that I hold is with but tanking in general. Ultimately though, like as soon as, the, as soon as things come, I mean, Shrey, you are a perceived playoff team. You're sitting at 0-2. There are teams that, you know, have a win under their belt. Um, Shraff is an example that could, as the season runs on, given their youth, you know, show that they have a capability. I mean, it's kind of like Will's team last year. Will's team kind of came out of the woodwork where we didn't think that he was that competitive. All of a sudden, Brandon Ayuk hits, Jonathan Taylor's playing really well, Kyler Murray's been incredible, and he's sitting in the in the four seed and winning playoff games and throwing up 150 points per playoff game. You never know. Like, that could happen with and, – and to be honest, that could be Jason too. You never know when his team might just start going off and – you know, he might, he might accidentally string together two wins. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, do I have a shot at this? You never know. He is committed, but you never know what your players are going to produce. Um, and I never had my observation on Dobkin. So I'm just going to say that Corlin Sutton had an outrageous game. Like we predicted when we didn't panic on him, Grant. So, uh, so, uh, (laughs) yeah. What, what do you have? Nine catches, 159 yards. Talk about volume. No, yeah, Jerry he's, Judy. He's going to be volume, volume. Yeah, that's uh, great. All right, let's move on to the next matchup here. We've got uh, our our fearless host Grant Whittington and his good guys having game. Uh, the sixth highest scoring team having this game. week. Uh, luckily, took on a whole bunch of yucky yuck. Grant, and not going to lie, it seemed like uh, it seemed like you had this game more in the bag than you ended up. Like you only ended up with 125 points. I felt like when I was checking on Sunday, like it seemed like this was like a 140 point game out of you. I know. I can't agree more. I don't know what happened. My team just stopped scoring all of a sudden. I, was, I think it and might I, be your flexes, bro. Dude, honestly, oh. it, was the same. it was the same thing as week one too. week one. I like checked projections early on and I was like projected 160. I was supposed to win by like 50. And then all of a sudden my team, the, the gap just started closing a little bit. But yeah, I test says that your flexes need help. <laughs> I think my managerial skills, I, I was a little, uh, I think I've, I've messed around too much. Grant, 
this is not one of my this is not one of my observations, but uh, Chris Carson, thirteen carries, thirty one yards, two point four yards per carry, had two touchdowns. Is this? Are you scared, of Chris no, Carson? No. I was just looking. I played against Chris Carson in the league, and I was like, "Damn, this is bullshit." That he has fifteen points. He's been playing terribly. <laughs> he did. He did not do well between the tackles. Are you telling me a running back getting two touchdowns and minimal yards is really hurting you games? Because that pretty much Josh Jacobs the first week. Yep. Yeah, uh, so Josh Jacobs is more talented. I'd like to think. Grant, what's your first observation from your game? Uh, let's see. Sterling Shepard. He might. He might be all Shep. right, guys. Shepard. He might be a viable flex play without think overthinking it too much and like considering matchup and things like that. So I, I feel comfortable rolling him out. I'm starting him this week as if I don't decide to not start him. <laughs> hey. But as of yet, he's he seems to be like my my best flex option, which isn't the the best thing in the world for my team. But you know, one good. might say he's a sexy number three. Yeah, he's definitely a handsome number three. The The number's working well for him. He's the 11th highest scoring fantasy player right now. Wide receiver. I mean, that, yeah, that target share is incredible, right? Like what he's seeing in that Giants offense with a surprisingly viable fantasy quarterback in Danny Dimes, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Trey, what do you got? My, Good stuff, my first observation is uh, frustration with the Colts. Question mark, um, or is that an exclamation point or a question mark? Uh, no, that's that's an exclamation mark with uh, my end. Frustrations with the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I don't. It sounds I like really, a right thing to say. <laughs> I really don't know what to make of any of their, like, major rooms. The quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the running backs. Even the tight ends, although I don't really care too much about their tight ends. Like right. Just like their quarterbacks, have, I mean, between the starters have two bad ankles, right? And sadly <laughs> for games, they have, only one guy has those two bad ankles. Um, with the running backs, like Jonathan Taylor is an incredibly talented running back. I think he's suffered from some bad touchdown luck, but like 15 carries, 51 yards. The Rams defense is great, but it is. You're supposed to run at him. You're supposed to run at him. That's yeah, what they and- say. Run at Aaron Donald. Run, run, run no, away! Run from no, away from Aaron Donald. Run away from Aaron Donald. There we go. And and then their wide receiver room. I mean, I Michael Pittman. That might be a, an incredible get for you, Grant. But uh, Zach Pascal, like only being leveraged in the red zone. Like I want to leverage him in my fantasy lineup, but I need to see more targets and yards, right? Wow, um, right. That's a good plan. Words there. I like that. There we go. I am really curious to see moving forward, especially now with uh, Eason being slotted into the lineup for the next probably week or two. Um, but yeah, I, maybe it's a personal thing more than anything else, but I just get annoyed with the Colts. Like I see them and I'm just like, God damn it. Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning aren't here. Like this sucks. I, that's an awesome observation, Trey. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. That's an awesome observation. Cause you're right from, from quarterback to tight end. That is a, uh, a wild room where you have literally no idea what's going on. The one thing that I am pretty confident in is I do think that Michael Pittman is the alpha of that wide receiver room. And he took some time. He was on the field, even though he only had four targets last week one, he was on the field 90 something percent of the time. He is clearly their number one guy. And they, he finally showed it. I mean, he's a good receiver. Uh, he was good at USC. He's got the, the NFL gene pool. So uh, I think Grant can feel confident unleashing Pittman in the future. Um, yeah, I completely agree. And I'll, I'll snake draft it again and go to my second observation here, um, which is number two is, Teddy 
good. And this one's a question mark rather than an exclamation point mm. because uh, Teddy Two Gloves, all that he's done since taking the starting reins with the Denver Broncos has been lead him to a 2-0 record, play really good quarterback, like not just like average, oh, stop gap. No, he's actually played really well in lieu of no running back performance in Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams outside of a 70-yard scamper by MG3. We're not really seeing much help for Teddy. And he's still performing lights out. He lost his top receiver in Jerry Judy. He's still chugging along. His line is solid, but it's not anything spectacular. I am shocked. And now I will say it's been two weeks. He's playing against Jacksonville this week, and they've managed all of 23 points. So there is reason to temper your expectations. But Sean, I was telling him at the start and prior to the season to tank, tear it down, trade Tom Brady, go with no quarterbacks. But the fact that now you've got Tom and Teddy Two Gloves, you might be able to swing a couple of wins. I don't think you're going to be competitive at all, but like the leader of the anti-tank committee might be able to swing into the other direction if you know a couple more cards hit right. I think he's going to have to lose a couple of free agents from his bench, but outside of that, you know, I think he's in the right direction. I think uh, Grant, what do you what do you think about Teddy? I mean, he played against the Giants and the Jaguars. Are we that confident that that Teddy Bridgewater is good? I've always liked Teddy Bridgewater. I think he was handed a pretty raw deal his whole career, really. He finally got the ball in Minnesota, got hurt, and then they just moved on without giving him a chance. Back pretty, pretty raw cock, too, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> the, well, this family-friendly podcast just took a, an X-ray. <laughs> um, you know, back up. <laughs> Looking at his career trajectory, he played in Carolina. Talking about, talking about how backed up his cock is. Jesus, Gaines is actually blacked out. <laughs> yeah, this is really is. We're gonna have a one glass, one glass of wine limit for future pods. Yeah, you can't uh, see it right now, but Gaines's face is red as a tomato. He's still, he's still smiling. He he's still, smiling. still smiling. He's got the Sean Bassett. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just talking about football, baby. We're just here talking about football. No pig skin. Oh, foreskin, big skin. Oh, oh, who, who had one hour before the old foreskin <laughs> reference? <laughs> I took the under for sure. I manipulated the line. Teddy, Teddy is um, a very viable fantasy quarterback. I don't want him to be the yeah. future of my yeah. team. Trey, I think I think your take on maybe Sean should not tank is just false. Like it's just a wrong take. Teddy Bridgewater is still trying to convince the league to compete. Teddy, I am, Teddy Bridgewater. I, <laughs> I do think that there are teams that can compete. I think Sean's team is still in. He Teddy Bridgewater being good is only good for Sean's is only better for Sean's tank because now he has one extra asset that he can trade for this year. Yeah, <laughs> I completely concur. Uh, I've been telling him from the start, and <laughs> I would tell him today to trade his assets. Having said that, you know how strong Sean wants to compete. And no, Sean's this- been working the phone lines. Sean's, uh, Sean's, Sean's been, open. Sean's, yeah. Sean's been Sean's wheeling and dealing. Yeah, Sean's- you're right. He's been wheeling and dealing with according the manager only- to try to trade Brady, Latavius Murray, and Co. You guys yeah. see the uh, screenshot yeah, was, of the message. Was he trying? To, was he trying to trade with his manager? Or was he trying to trade a Ushrei? No, he's <laughs> informing me. You try to cover up your uh, your attempts to pick up the, the Tom Brady A B stack. Yeah, the the I'll give you the genesis of that. I was telling him, hey, if you're looking to compete, I've got some guys from my bench that I could trade to you. And he goes, no, I am actually probably going to start tearing down. Hence, why he goes. And I asked, I was just curious, who are you looking to sell? And he goes uh, to his manager, Tom Brady, 
and then his crappy running backs. Can, I, can we just for one second pause and think about Teddy Bridgewater's last name, Bridgewater? Aqueduct. Teddy Aqueduct. They don't call him Teddy Aqueduct for nothing. He's literally oh, he's a, Dude, that's why he wears two gloves. He's an amphibian. <laughs> he's oh, I was going the route of his last name literally sets him up as a stopgap quarterback. He is the bridge to the next quarterback. He's the bridge. He's the bridge over troubled waters. There we go. <laughs> okay, so what about what about Kirk Cousins? Can we think of a because he's oh, a game Kirk. manager too. He's just like a, a Teddy Bridgewater type. Yeah, but I mean, like, Kirk Cousins gives off strong family vibes, right? It's like kissing your cousins. Yeah, it's kissing cousins. Yeah, they don't call him Kirk kissing cousins for nothing. Yeah, Kirk kissing COVID cousins. <laughs> Hey, Grant, uh, what's your second observation, bud? You haven't given either of yours games. You're, you're right, but I'm going to do both. I'm gonna, they're, they're both tight ends, so I'm going to do them late. All right, my second observation is the ATL boys. I'm sticking with my team for this one. I'm sticking with my city, too. And I'm just going to say, first of all, Young Hoku, is, might not, he's a great fan, kicker. He's a great real-life kicker. Probably yes. not a good fan. I imagine the Falcons are going to be playing a lot of catch-up this year. And a lot of mustard too, and I'm just worried about. I'm worried mm-hmm. about Young Hoku's, Young Waku's production. Do you regret dropping Matt Prater and keeping Young Hoku? I regret voting kickers should be in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you Ain't were the last. Funny. You were the last uh, vote, right? It was six six. I was the swing vote. I wasn't the last yeah. vote. I, I'm Are you positive that was Steve McCollum? <laughs> ATL, ATL boys. Wow, I didn't. I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't even sure what was gonna be talked about. No, no, no. So one. deeper, deeper, deeper. I have two more observations. Another sub uh, question is is yeah. the the backfield and just like kind of gotcha. the so Cordero Patterson and then <laughs> Mike Davis. So Mike Davis, he's still fat. Confirmed. Mike Davis played. <laughs> I mean, his fantasy output against Tampa Bay is about as good as you can expect from. Three point, uh, 9.8 points. Yeah. 9.8 right. fantasy points had what four something yards per carry, pretty decent. Three Cordero points Patterson, better, yeah. 21 fantasy points had two touchdowns, one through the air. So, I mean, it's just it's going to be a developing story, I think. I, I think Cordero's honestly here to stay. I think it was a pretty good uh, pickup for me, and if nothing else, an insurance policy. But I think Mike Davis might get supplanted soon, also, because Cordero has shown a lot of pizzazz. I will note that uh, 3.5 points or a third of Mike Davis' productions came from seven catches, which were mostly checkdowns in a catch-up game, right? So I completely, good, concur. I completely concur with Point, like the points or points. points, and, or points. and catch-up game, I imagine that that's the situation yeah, that the Falcons yeah. are going to find themselves in often. So. A quick shout-out to my boy Josh McDaniels for being the first person in the NFL circles to identify that Cordero Patterson should be a running back. Because this guy was came in as a wide receiver, and God, he destroyed me in fantasy every year because I thought he was going to be good, and then he sucks. Uh, but he was always a playmaker. Uh, but Josh McDaniels was the first guy when he was in New England to identify that, you know, hey, maybe this guy should play running back. And, he's been first team, and that's still first a double take. That, number 84 getting the ball, it's still a box. Uh, uh, a double right. take. I think the first team that identified his correct position was the Vikings putting him at kick returner because well, he's yeah, dangerous there. He's he's an all he's an all time kick returner. He's one of the he's better kick time. returners of and all. You never time. know if you if you start him in it. You never know. He could yeah he could be a surprise six. Hey, hey yeah, right? all of a sudden return yards. Yeah, I mean, hey, if we're starting kickers, you might as well give some some love to the return yards. <laughs> 
Don't try to make me get Deontay Harris to stay on my team. He's being dropped tonight. <laughs> All right. I got two, two quick observations on this game. Uh, they're both in my favorite gritty position, the tight end. Uh, Austin Hooper. Grant, do you regret trading for Austin Hooper? Quick question. Absolutely. Yep. All right. That's what I thought. But uh, you might not come in, come in uh, into week two. He's a sneaky flex option if Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are out. Sneaky flex option. Last year when that game where OBJ and Jarvis Landry were out, pretty sure he had double-digit targets. Wouldn't be surprised to see Austin Hooper be the number one target of Baker Mayfield in that offense if OBJ and Jarvis Landry are out. Just a consideration for a guy that seems to struggle with the flex position. Uh, right, moving on to somebody that's a little bit more of a household name. Uh, Sean, we just talked about how he's a... Sean uh, household name. House, household name. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's... So I meant, uh, we're going to talk about George Kittle, uh, who is Sean's tight end. And we just talked about how Sean could be a seller. George Kittle seems like a position, like a pretty valuable position, you know, high premium position that, I mean, he's 28, like maybe he could sell. He's not going to be able to sell him if, if he's not being, if he's not scoring points. So if I'm Sean, even if I'm not trying to compete, I need to see a little bit more out of George Kittle because one, he could be a valuable trade piece. Two, I need more George Kittle. I, yeah, I mean, I like George Kittle a lot. He hasn't played particularly well this season, but I'm not worried. I will say, I think Sean's mentality is that George Kittle, Devontae Adams, and Miles Sanders, probably three of his top trade chips, are all young enough that he believes he can flip his minor pieces and turn around and compete like next year. So that's where I don't know if you're going to actually be able to pull those away from him, but Hey, maybe this podcast influences them. I've heard Sean can sway his decisions based on group me chirps, uh, trading Julian Edelman for third. Absolutely. Good call. No, that's, that's my understanding too, Shrey. That's exactly his approach keeping Kittle Sanders and Adams. All right. The last, the second to last match we have is is what just happened? I was just laughing because he said he does. You don't think that he could trade Sanders, Kittle, or Teddy Bridgewater? I'm just like looking at his team, like who the fuck is he going to trade to turn this around? Like AJ Green, who the fuck's buying AJ Green? Devontae uh, Parker. I've heard the market. The market is really hot for Duke Johnson these days. <laughs> yeah, and for Todd Gurley, you can tell by his the NFL market. The NFL interest. <laughs> Our second to last matchup, we have Shraffy Shraff taking down Mr. Walton um, to a tune of 118 and a half to 106 so good week for homoerotic acid trips sort of good week more so by virtue of playing rj <laughs> um came away with a win and first two fantasy hockey points whatever you call it of the season for shraff what do you got for observations boys yeah i'll go first um checking in on traffs rb2 is what i have jotted down uh Last year or last week, we weren't sure what was going on. He's got JD McKissick. Uh, I'm not on his matchup right now on ESPN, so hold on one second. Uh, he had Michael Carter, he had Sony Michelle. A little bit interesting. All of a sudden, Michael Carter's leading the team in carries. All of a sudden, Sony Michelle is going to be the starter next week with Daryl Henderson hurt. And don't look now. This team might just be a competitor. Don't look now. Travis. I will, I will not look. Traff has two. Traff has one more hockey point than our co-host or our guest appearance guy right now, who is a perceived contender. Um, 
He's got Evan McPherson, the best kicker in the game. I don't know. I I think he could. I can I think he could be a contender. I think maybe he can trade, and maybe he's one of those guys looking for Mike Williams. He's gonna have a little bit of reinforcements coming out with uh, Mike Thomas at the. Uh, you know, whenever he gets back, but you know, all of a sudden, if if yeah. Sony Mich- if Sony Michelle can take that. Uh, if Sony Michelle can take that job from Daryl Henderson, we'll see what he can do with it. But he's been pretty productive over the past couple, over the past two years in terms of a uh, yards per carry. Uh, so we'll see what he can do. And I think I kind of just piggybacked onto my second observation where we talked about a Traff's trajectory. So uh, yeah, bottom line, Traff could compete. He could fight for that last spot. So we'll see wh- when and if he decides to do that. Yeah, Shraff totally to me seems one like one of those wait and see guys. He's I don't know if he's actively trying to make moves and and do some trades, but his team has the pieces now to compete ish to maybe fight win some games, fight fight for a playoff spot. You're so right though the the running back position. I mean, this is a really good opportunity for his boys to to step up. I, I like Michael Carter. I like that he's getting a lot of touches. So we'll see where that what that uh, means for week three and, and moving forward. My first observation is Daniel Jones, sexy legs. Jason Garrett, finally finally calling a, a halfway decent game, getting Daniel Jones free, running the ball a little bit. And, I mean, he had a good day. Yeah, not, like, not only a fantasy day, he had a good quarterback day. He looked good, 95 rushing yards and a score. Get another score through the air, 250 yards. I mean, he he almost won the game. They lost still their 0-2. I don't know exactly what Daniel Jones' life is. I was texting RJ a little bit earlier today or yesterday seeing, like, how many years does Daniel Jones have I was gonna, to win? I, I was just going to say that. So I was just going to want – I wanted to go round table real quick. He's a first-round pick. He's got a fifth-year option. They have to decide whether or not they're going to pick up that fifth-year option at the end of this year before his fourth year mm. right now, Grant, are you signing Daniel? Jo- are you giving Daniel Jones his fifth year option or are you not? Yes. Trey, what about you? No, um, absolutely not. I'm going to give him a second year. I think I'm with Grant on this one. I, I say absolutely not because it's right now. And I do agree. Like, the last game really impressed me. I was texting RJ about it. Like, he's made some throws when he had the time and the right play calls. Having said that, like, I've seen it for uh, four quarters, maybe six to eight, right? And technically now, to be eight. fair, t- technically eight. Well, I was saying what I watched because, uh, in theory, I didn't watch all of last season either. With oh, that's but um, <laughs> but my, my point being is that, like, I, I just need to see it more from him. And um, I do agree that Jason Garrett's play calling got uh, significantly better last game. Um, I don't think you can expect a rushing touchdown every single game from him, which is booing a lot of his fantasy points right now. Um, but I do think a stable floor of maybe 240, 250 yards with a 60, 65% passing uh, completion rate. And ideally, this is probably the biggest thing for the Giants fan, no turnovers. That'll be the one that you'd want to see him improve. But yeah, I, think these next, I think these next six weeks, are, uh, six weeks are probably the most important with his career in that if the Giants go wake up and they go two and seven, by week nine, I don't know if you're going to pick up that Daniel Jones option because, as you can imagine, the progress probably isn't big enough. The Giants are probably heading towards a top five pick, 
and you could convince yourself to easily move cut bait and just move forward from that. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Daniel Jones. So I don't want to spend too much time, but he, he is the number four fantasy quarterback right now. He's also, uh, according to PFF, I think he's has a top two passer grade in the first two weeks uh, out of the whole league. So Daniel Jones is confirmed playing well through two games against the yeah. Jaguars and the Broncos. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'll jump to my uh, first observation which is the Cincinnati offense will eventually, and I want to say eventually be very good. Um, I watched a decent amount of the Cincinnati game purely because one, I actually truly love Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback in this league. He definitely looks hesitant these days. And I, I don't want to uh, overspeak my bouncer because I haven't seen him the entire last year, didn't watch him much, but um, the pieces that they have outside of their offensive line is is fantastic. Like, I think Joe Mixon is uh, a talented running back. I think their wide receivers, specifically their top two in Higgins and Chase are great receivers that are going to be around for years. So I need, I need to see one more season of Joe Burrow recovering from his ACL and ideally a revamped offensive line because they clearly didn't trust in Penny Sewell over Jamar Chase. But man, like the prospects of being a Jamar Chase owner for the next five to 10 years with uh, Joe Burrow, ideally taking the, the next step next year. I, it gets me hot. It gets me hot and bothered. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really excited for it. And Don't whip uh, that foreskin out, bud. <laughs> oh, baby. I'm kind of disappointed. Me. You're wearing, you're wearing an actual large right now. I'd be able to see your nipples rock hard otherwise. So I had to go, I, the sense of the subject because I had to literally go uh, clothes shopping a couple weeks ago and I bought these shirts and <laughs> I put them on the dressing room and Lindsay goes, Oh yeah, they look great. <laughs> like, but there's gap in between my arm. And my, <laughs> and my shirt. You know what you need? You need a little, a little Teddy Bridgewater in your arm, a little stop gap. A little stop. You should get a Teddy Bridgewater. Stop at the gap. Right here. <laughs> wow. Imagine for, for our, our audio. Commit. Our audio listeners on that one, Grant was pointing to his penis when he was talking about the tattoo. Wow. <laughs> wow. Right on the foreskin. Wow. <laughs> We've got his own foreskin for that one. That was weird. What a pod this is, huh? What a pod. <laughs> what a pod. Um, well, I'll quickly, uh, yeah. I'll quickly snake draft it. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the best segue you've ever heard uh, to my second pod. Little snake. Snake. Snake oh, draft. Nice. Nice. There we go. The um, wide snake. So the second observation is the Tennessee's offensive woes, which, I mean, we touched upon a little bit earlier, so I'm going to make this one quick, but um, I don't love the loss of Arthur Smith, and I am really curious to see the Titans offense. I think overreactions are made after two weeks, so I don't really want to jump the gun here, but I don't think Tannehill is going to repeat his numbers the last two years, and I think that's going to translate to bad news for uh, A.J. Brown, for Julio Jones, um, for most of their receiving core. I don't think that's going to translate poorly at all to uh, Gaines's bell cow and Derrick Henry. And I think Derrick Henry is going to be really fine. But as a Tannehill owner, I'm definitely um, sweating it a little bit. Yeah. Feel it's that. An, it's an interesting offense. They've, they haven't looked very good. That's, that's really all I can say is their passing offense doesn't look very good. And their offense in general hasn't looked very good until Derek Henry decided to put the team on his back, though. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about Tannehill because Tannehill is also no spring chicken. He is 
got to be 35 years old. He had a whole entire career before he joined the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> it felt like. Uh, I, think he's, I think he's 33. Um, and he, his, is, he is the oldest 33 I've ever seen. Well, he runs 4.65, so he is technically a spring chicken at the quarterback position. And um, completely tangent, but he has got a smoke show of a life. That oh is true. God. A&M, he's an A&M guy. He's an A&M guy. I definitely am biased as a Patriots fan that's just seen him in Miami for so long that it just felt like – like I thought he was done. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say you're biased towards guys with hot-ass wives because if we've seen Moneyball, hot girlfriend translates to high confidence. So I like to see that. Love that, Trey. Love that. <laughs> love, love that for you. Yeah, uh, analytics. Grant, what do you got here? My last observation, my second observation is flip a coin flex. Sharaf, you swung and missed this time, much like myself with the uh, flex woes, but it seems like, I mean, you went with Alan Lazard who put up a goosey and I just, I'm worried that every week you'll go through this where you're in a flex bind. You don't really know how to, to play. You pick the highest guy projected and it's still only like a 6.5 and then he underperforms there so yeah and that position is reserved for Michael Thomas when he comes back that's good to know but um but yeah I mean it seems like it's hard to not play JD McKissick every week I looking at everybody the most reliable I I agree agree. he has he has a floor it seems like which was pretty bad the week in week one which is He's not in his starting lineup as of now, which there's still time, of course. But well, and like I said, he's got Sony Michelle. He's got he's going to be starting this week, so you know he does have some options there with with if Michael Carter yeah, can, can pass grab like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a quick shout out for Henry Ruggs. Shout out to Reverend Walton, who's a little bit nervous about Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs had a, his first good game of his life in the NFL last week. And you know, I say I had a few Pop Warner games where he was explosive. Well, that's good. That's good hope. He had seven targets. I mean, let's be clear: the Pittsburgh Steelers were not letting Darren Waller get 19 targets again. <laughs> um, which I don't. I, 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 yeah, I don't blame. I don't blame them. Uh, somehow, Darren Waller still had a decent game. But uh, Henry Ruggs, you know, when you focus all your attention on the big guy in the middle, then the guy that runs a four-two is probably going to get behind the defense. <laughs> So good for good for RJ Walton. Um, all right, we got our last matchup. We're finally here. Saved it best for last. Former roommates, people forget in the chapter house. Will Mont and Steve McCollum. Uh, talking about Will Mont and Steve McCollum, Shrey, why don't you hit your uh, your number one observation? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will say both of my observations here are probably somewhat controversial. Um, my first one is a workshop take, so uh, please just go with it. Um, is Will Mont's team the new Chris Johns in waiting? And what I mean by that is everyone's been fawning over Will's lineup, which I agree has some young studs that are set up well for the future. Having said that, if you look at his starting lineup compared to his bench, I think especially with the recent um, Brandon Ayuk news, I don't know how much depth will actually has on his team such that one to two major injuries start hitting his starting lineup and i think that team starts going south asap aka Tua getting hurt here now luckily that's the one 
quarterback position that he actually does have depth on, but his wide receivers and running backs, I think people give Johns a lot of shit for being super top heavy. Um, I am, I think Will's been skirting by not being in that same exact conversation. I think you're, uh, I think you're right. And I, I think I brought this up last week is that I'm a little bit concerned about his RB depth with Javante Williams and, and Melvin Gordon splitting time. One, uh, God, I, I don't, I do want Jonathan Taylor against popular opinion. I actually do think like, I like Jonathan Taylor as a person. I think that I would like to see Jonathan Taylor succeed, even though he's on Will's team, my rival. And I would love to, for him to not succeed. Uh, I don't know. Is, is Jonathan Taylor, maybe one of those make or break like guys that we kind of jumped to conclusions a little too much on. He's had two straight games where he hasn't been very productive. He had some weeks last year where he didn't look productive as a runner yes he scored some touchdowns yes he like looks good and powerful as a runner but like for some reason like it's just not clicking the same way that it clicks for dalvin cook that it clicks for nick chubb you know are we nervous i personally am not uh, i think it's still a couple of weeks away from being there i know his um Last couple games could have changed their fantasy production just based on touchdown. I know last game he had a couple goal line carries that were stopped right at the one, leading to a high expected touchdown rate. Um, I think he has one of the highest expected touchdowns compared to actual touchdowns in the league. Um, I am not too, too worried yet, but I do agree it's a little concerning considering he had a nice second half of the year last year, um, but already sputtering out of the gate a little bit. It's been It's been interesting, but... It's a it's a worth monitoring, but it is not uh, requiring concern yet. Grant, do you have any takes on Will's uh, Will becoming the new Johns? I mean, my so my my observation here was that Will had two total duds, right? With DJ Ch- uh, Chark and do, 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 do. and Tua combining for what three points here, and Tua, of course, because of the injury. But his team put up 139 points, so there's. I don't know how you can say this team is that top heavy. I think there's a lot of balance to this team, to be honest. I mean, you had Kyler and Cooper Cup combining for 66, but you had double-digit scoring from Debo Tanyan, who was kind of flashing the pan. We don't know exactly if he's here to stay. DJ Moore is a stud. Nick Chubb, super reliable running back. So I I will say the top heavy comment is a comparison of his starting lineup compared to his bench. Yeah. That, and and I'm not trying to be one one week sampled over here. So if you look at his lineup yeah. on the bench, like they're all underperforming yeah. this week. Yeah. But I'm just saying more in the totality of would I trust someone on his bench as a flex starter. But I think there's, there's oh. two teams in the league that you can reliably just have like a bunch of plug-in plays, well, and that's Kinser and Gaines. There right? are people – I think every team has at least one or two guys, and I think that's what Will has. And Yeah, I totally think Will is in line with that. I, I mean, I, I, think, I would roll out Cole Bleak easily with a – reasonable yeah. amount of confidence to be honest very safe floor of at least i mean he had a 5.6 that's really underperforming josh allen didn't throw much because also, they were rushing all game we are totally forgetting that brandon Ayuk is like a good wide receiver like he i don't know what's going on with brandon Ayuk, but i am very confident that brandon Ayuk won't be getting one point per game like moving forward yeah like, there's I, definitely I, been a uh, san francisco doghouse thing with Ayuk and trey sermon like it's just a less so his they're, they're quoting hamstring injury um and Will probably can speak a lot better on this than I can, but uh, I believe there's Shanahan's been trying to flex his muscles this year uh, as a coach to put them in the doghouse. I completely agree. Like Ayuk is going to be fine moving forward. 
Um, I do think Debo is going to also seed some of his work as Ayuk ramps up. Yeah. So it sure. kind of caps your floor a little bit, uh, your ceiling. Um, and I don't think Kyler is going to be putting up 33 points come week 13 as he is at the week two, right? Like we've seen this before with Kyler last year. Um, Cooper Cup is legit. I just love Cooper, well, but yeah. Anyways, um, I don't mean to steal thunder and actually might be a good transition to games, your observation with Cooper Cup. Yeah, I mean, we already touched on this. I feel like I've jotted this down before looking to see that we were going to talk about him previously, but Cooper Cup is could be a sneaky. He's a, I mean, he's a wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver one. Yeah. He is the best wide receiver on Will's team, which is funny because Debo Samuel actually leads the league in receiving yards. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So he's got two top heavy teams. I know I look at my team and I think that I have really good receivers. Will's trotting out, you know, four, assuming DJ Shark or Brandon Ayuk is productive, which I think one of them will be, you know, in a similar class. And just to touch on the depth, I've, I do feel like we're the thing about Will's depth compared to some other teams depth is that they, the depth has a little bit more youth. So you think that you're a little bit more off like your natural instinct is to think that you're a little bit more optimistic that they can become something uh, looking at Jalen Rager as an example of a guy that had a touchdown called back last week. He had five targets. He was, you know, a top pick by Will. Um, he's young. You know, Collins, young Gabriel Davis slash Cole Beasley. You expect one of those guys to, you know, score, score a touchdown every week. Um, they, they are in Cole Komet, you know, they're young, they're young guys. So it seems like um, even though he might not have the Marvin Jones, you know, like depth, it's a more optimistic depth. I completely agree. Yeah. You definitely feel better with lottery tickets on your bench like that. All right. I feel like we talked about Will a lot. Let's move on to uh, Mr. McCall, our, our favorite redheaded stepchild. Uh. <laughs> yeah. My, my first observation is uh, reality, reality, Steve which is a nod to my Bachelor fans. Reality Steve is a guy who uh, spoils the Bachelor things. Um, and he just, it's a reality check week, basically. He had 157 points, must have been flying high. And this week, right back down to 101. And I think this is more of the norm, if I'm being honest. I, I apologize to Steve last week for, for overlooking his team and kind of shitting on him preemptively. But this is how I expected them to perform. And just top to bottom, not great. 101 points, not going not gonna to get dubs. Yeah, and to jump on that, this is a classic case of the live and die by Amari Cooper rule, which is anytime you have Amari Cooper on your team, you live and die by Amari Cooper. Like <laughs> for some reason, like he either scores 30 points a game or he scores three points a game, and that's the way that your week is going to go. Um, this is – it's going to – this is obviously like showtime year for Steve where he's going to have to decide, is he going to sell? Is he not? I wouldn't be surprised if there's a ton of movement during pipeline away weekend. G uh, I can see a lot of things happening. Finally, we have some FaceTime with Steve. A little FaceTime. We can see what happened. No, no more duck in the text messages. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, but you know, Tyrod Taylor got hurt. Um <laughs> And Davis uh, Davis Mills is going to be uh, is going to be uh, starting this week, so we'll see. Hey, maybe this is an awesome opportunity. This is something 
to think about. Maybe this is, this Tyrod Taylor injury is an awesome opportunity for Davis Mills to be like, hey, the Texans drafted me with their first pick in the draft this year. Maybe I'm the future of their organization. And then, hey, maybe maybe Steve solved a little bit of his quarterback problems because Jared Goff actually has been looking pretty good from from the Lions' perspective. So, you know, take this as an observation. Maybe maybe Steve's quarterback. What was that? What was that Tarod Taylor thing where like he's been replaced the last couple of years by Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert? Yeah, yeah. So maybe Davis Mills is the answer, and that's that is the best thing that Steve can hope for because I don't think he's winning this year. So. You know, maybe let Tyrod take a seat. Maybe let Davis Mills get some run. Um, and it is what it is. Bada bing. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps up our two by threes. What did we call it? Three by twos. Uh, observations. It was a good session, just as it was last week. And yeah, I think we should jump into the power rankings. I know we're a little short on time, but I'd be remiss if we didn't go through these power rankings. So Jakey over to you, baby. Not much has changed is the state of the status quo. Shrey's team went down to slots. Uh, he went jumped from number four to number six. He flip-flops with Grant Whittington because Grant Whittington's two and zero, and he's shown us. He's shown us that he can win fancy football games despite playing against Sean Bassett. And Trey has shown us that he can lose football games while not scoring many points in one week and scoring a lot of points in in other weeks. Can I say Uh, that I have, I also looking forward, I have um, a matchup against Steve this week and I have a matchup against Schraff next week. So beyond the, beyond a tough opening week matchup with Kinser, got, got Steven and Schraff who are sitting nearer the bottom of the power rankings I imagine. So. um, Well, so Schraff dropped last week after she performance, uh, he's right back up to number eight. He's, in my opinion, the clear next best contender um, in that group of five that we've talked about, where there's a seven people contending for six spots plus a five. I think Schraff is the cuspy. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. I would, and I think that like that seven to eight spot, like it really depends on. And Jason could theoretically be in that spot as well. It just really depends on putting those chips in the in the middle, right? And I think Schraff is going to really determine if he does because he, I know he's only put up 194 this entire season, but sometimes you just get good fantasy luck. Like John's getting 188 points scored against him or Grant every single year having the best fantasy defense in the world to not have points put up against him. How bizarre is that? I don't, I don't get it. I think I hacked the app. <laughs> it's the pod, man. It's Wait, the, uh, Gaines, can you actually just run, th- run through the list from – you said not much has changed, but I – don't have it in front of me. I imagine the listeners. Yeah, it's uh, RJ Walton's pulling up the pulling up the rear. The boost. <laughs> Woo. Bless um, you, baby. Jason Dobkin, strictly due to his uh, to his mentality, his, his tank mentality comes in at number two. Even though I do think that he could create a competitive team, has been on the record for the past four times that we've talked. Uh, Steve at number ten, Sean at number nine. And then Shraff. Oh, number nine. Wow. That's pretty, pretty easy. Uh, I, think, I think it's – well, I think you got to assume that Kittle's going to be back. Uh, I do think Miles Sanders is good. I think Devontae Adams is good. Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, and we just talked about how Teddy Bridgewater is playing well. So, yeah, I do think that he can be a competitive team this year right now, um, yeah. especially compared to the other three. 
uh, teams that we just said. Um, and then we got Traff coming in at number eight. Uh, Spec status quo number seven for the past three weeks. Uh, we talked about how Shrey came in at number six uh, after having not won a matchup um, or make the playoffs in two years. Uh, Chris coming in at number five as per the status quo where he's been. Oh, Grant, Grant at number five, right? No, uh, John's at number five. You you leapfrog John's Grant with your uh, interesting with your uh, with your two two victories. Wow! It, oh, oh, is this man, hockey? That's, uh, this that's isn't hockey points, though. This is no. This is uh, this is power rankings, and then Will Will number three, Kenser number two, Gaines number one. That's the the power rankings. Oh, as you wrapped you wrapped to the end. You don't want to be number one, do you, Gaines? Oh, uh, we're just gonna keep being number one until we. So we stopped putting up points in week, in, in week 16 in week 16 in the finals when we put up 99 points uh hockey point standings this is a little bit interesting now because we have two weeks to go off of which means we have two more, weeks of wins and two weeks datum. of hockey points we got more datum uh <laughs> the yard goats enemy of the pod wilmot uh, the kansas city chiefs chris johns and grant's good guys all are sitting undefeated at two and oh with Four hockey points. Number five in the uh, in the hockey point standings right now is Ben Speck, who has a win and picked up a hockey point this week, uh, coming off that that tough Monday night loss to Kinser. Uh, Kinser, oddly enough, comes in number six uh, with his win last week against Speck. He's right in his sweet spot. That's where he won the championship from last year. Uh, Team McCollum has two points as well, right on Kinser's tail as is the homoerotic acid trip, Nick Schraffenberger, who saw the Killers last night. Shout out to the Killers from Las Vegas. Uh, and then, Probably on a little bit of a come down right now. Yeah. Dis- <laughs> discreetly tanking, who is has not been updated for their team name in our spreadsheet. We're going to have to get our secretary, Jason Dobkin, on that. Uh, but he, Trey comes in with one hockey point following his week one shootout. Um, and he is in ninth place right now. And the Yucky Yucks, Ivory for Injuries, and our beloved Reverend Walton come. Cellar dwellers. Have yet to score a hockey point through two weeks. That is our hockey point recap. Do you think either of those three teams score a hockey point this week? No, I do not think that they score enough points to warrant a hockey point for the next three weeks. All right, we might just have to repeat this section then. We don't even have to retape it. <laughs> I do want to uh, – I know we're, we're running pretty low on time here. Um, I know we want to do a little, a little Shrey, a little talk, dive into Shrey's team. Uh, is there anything in particular that you want to say, Shrey, regarding your team? Yeah, Shrey, you, you have would like floor, to, you have you would floor, like, man. That you would like yeah. to broadcast to the, to the larger audience of Singaporeans? So with regards to uh, any draft, like trades I'm looking to make, like all in all, the position I'm at right now with one hockey point, like I've charted out my schedule at the beginning of the season and in this delineation of what I believe are going to separate themselves in seven really competitive teams and five not so much. I'm actually playing six of the seven competitive teams in the first seven weeks, right? 
Is that and in your notebook right now, Shrey? Are you looking at your notebook? Yeah, you're running through your schedule. Yeah, I, I actually wrote all these notes. On, He's not an uh, Excel guy. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> so um, I had a, a couple of different methods of making sure I had notes on this one. I just wanted to have for uh, writing because I wanted to be able to refer this for a long time. But um, yeah, six of the seven weeks, six of the seven teams I'm playing in the first seven weeks are going to be against highly competitive teams. Um, I think at the end of the day, if I were to forecast out, I believe the final spot is going to come down to Svek and myself for the seventh spot. I was also looking, and I think week six is going to be a big matchup because Svek and I are playing each other. And it seems like I got the fortunate end of the draw where Kamara is going to be on a bye, but also all of the Atlanta Falcons. So that's about a third of his team. All in all, like my worry doesn't really kick in until week six, dependent on that matchup, as well as where the standings are shaken out by then. I do envision that all five of the teams that are on the lower end of not competing are not going to be a, uh, a strong player up until like week seven or eight. You might see a little bit of noise between them. But all in all, like I, I, I have one too many uh, flex options that I would like to ideally translate into a higher end wide receiver two, maybe a wide receiver 1.5 would be a great way of going about it. Um, so if anyone wants to, you know, talk shop on that end, uh, maybe say someone who is uh, 0-2 potentially has a 44-year-old quarterback at the helm with very little future assets and wants to trade their 28-year-old superstar as a wide receiver, that would be an interesting play for that person. I'm referring to Sean Bassett here. Um, but all in all, like, I'm really uh, – I'm not too, too worried yet, but uh, give it another week or two. And the panic meter is definitely going to rise from like a four out of 10 to probably seven or eight. So you, you're talking a little bit about your, the plethora of flex options that you have and you're dangling some flex options in front of Sean Bassett. Um, my question is which ones would you prefer to keep versus sell? Because you're going to have to make your choices, but which one, it seems like a lot of your flex options are kind of old. Your yeah, RPJs, your Gronks, your ABs, like, are they really that attractive to Sean? Like who are, no, that's, actually that's absolutely, there? that's absolutely right. And I do think that it's going to be very dependent on the asset itself, right? Like ideally, um, I think I, I see three to four top assets on my team. Um, and Jamar Chase is kind of that, like, oh, he is a top end prospect who I'm not going to part with unless I'm getting a, stud not that old wide receiver one back right um and it realistically i don't think a trade is going to happen um i'm always down to talk shop uh but at the end of the day it's one of those things that i'm really hoping that these three to four flex options that i have eventually start parsing themselves into two actual viable wide receiver twos and two probably bottom end feeders it's one of the reasons why I even traded for Chase Edmonds, just to have that backup depth of like an RB3. I was really hoping that James Conner, and it still may happen because James Conner is garbage, um, may end up actually becoming something decent. Um, but, you know, we shall see if uh, the Cardinals actually even trust Chase Edmonds at all, because it really does not seem like they do. All right. Gun to your head. Uh, Matt Stafford gets hurt. Are you trading Jamar Chase for Tom Brady? No, no. I would ride it out with uh, crippled Big Ben and Ryan Tannehill and see where the cards go, um, but no. Big Ben and Ryan Tannehill get hurt, gun to your head. You're trading Jamar Chase for Tom Brady. 
No, like I, I would not, I would not, <laughs> I would not acquire Tom Brady if that's the the question here. Because I think Sean rightly values him very highly, and I think he should. But I just am not going to be trading for a forty-four year old quarterback when I have an average age of thirty-six for my quarterbacks. All right, I got a couple of hard-hitting questions for you. Who is more frustrating to own, Deontay Johnson or Odell Beckham Jr.? <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> um, Deontay sucks because you will start him, and and Kinser will vouch for this. Three times a game, he'll get injured, and if he's not getting injured, two times a game, he's dropping balls. But at the same time, he is such a talented receiver. Um, Having said that, one of them is producing points right now. The other one isn't. So I got to go with uh, Odell Beckham's more frustrating. Just a quick, a quick piggyback on that, too. It's like when I think of OBJ, I think of how much money Shrey spent on him. Yeah. And, that, and just gonna... I would love, Jake, for a future pod if we did like a little analysis on what, the, the, the startup draft. The startup, startup draft, draft like analysis. busts yeah. and steals and things like that. Because I'm, I'm looking at my roster now and I'm like, I need to make room for some maybe emerging prospects. And I'm like, what is Le'Veon Bell doing for me? on my route like literally will I ever play Le'Veon Bell again and I spent and it's it, part of <laughs> letting go of him is is admitting that I spent you know 55 bucks on him in a fantasy draft yeah like, Dude, yeah that's, that's how I felt with Dwayne Haskins <laughs> yeah it's and it's it's irrational but it hurts still so I will, I will say on that front, I do remember spending uh, triple digits for Saquon Barkley in that first draft. And I do remember spending an inordinate amount for Odell Beckham. Um, and that was off the heels of the fact that I had Alvin Kamara and Travis Kelsey as two very cheap keepers because they had just pulled forward from the previous season. If I had, if you can do that again, that hundred and some odd dollars being sent, spent on two top end prospects, I feel like you run that scenario 20 times, I come out better in like 18 to 19 of them. You know, like that's such a big miss on those two guys is really kind of like been the crux of why I've underperformed the past like two and a half years. Got another, another hard hitting question for you, Shrey. Do you think that Alvin Kamara is holding back Tony Jones? No. It's <laughs> an honest question. He, he passes my eye test. Yeah, he <laughs> I was reading up some of it because I never watched him in college, but uh it looks like a lot of his college fan base actually believes that he's not that talented of a running back. Um, and they were just saying, like, yeah, this man couldn't hit a hole if his life depended on it. Like he was very east-west, not as much north-south. Um, he looked great in the preseason. They clearly had a reason to cut Latavius Murray. Um, I think Jameis is uh, going to be holding back Kamara's value, not because I think he's bad, but mainly because he's such a big play threat that like Kamara is so deep uh, or so short routes that Drew Brees might have inflated his value by like 1.2x compared to what he actually is going to be moving forward. Would you rather Taysom or Jameis? That yeah, it's it's the, I mean it's like the the, the worst, worst of both worlds. Yeah, it's it's really like if I could have either one, I'd probably say like Taylor Heineke. You know what I mean? Like that would be an ideal. That would don't be wish, ideal don't one. wish Taylor Heineke's departure. I I'm less so wishing less so wishing Taylor Heineke's departure, and more so uh, Winston and or 
uh, Taysom Hill. Also, kind of flipping that question on the other way, is Taysom Hill actually good? Like, I don't believe he is very talented. He's a very good football player. But that's my that's my take. He's a very good football player. He's a he's a jack of all trades, right? But like master of none. Master of none, you know. And who plays that? Is that's uh sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I don't know. I I get annoyed with him because he steals away goal line carries and touchdowns for Camaro. Um, if he was the quarterback right now, it would be oh man, like Camaro would be an RB two at best. One more question for you. This is my last hard-hitting question on Trey's roster. Gun to your head. Do you start Christian Kirk ever this whole entire year? Yes. I believe Christian Kirk will be a starting wide receiver and I mean in the flex spot by the year end. I really believe wow. I, I believe Christian Kirk is going to be it really uh, it really sounds like that's more of an indictment of the fact that you don't believe in Deontay Johnson, Odell Beckham Jr. or Antonio Brown or any <laughs> of the other players that you have. Maybe, maybe it's a uh, it's less so that Darnell Mooney. Darnell, yeah, I really hope Darnell Mooney. It would be great if Darnell Mooney can end up on my flex somehow at the end of this year. It almost seems like Christian Kirk might be just too good of a backup wide receiver to have a, as your uh, sitting around that, on my bench, sitting on your bench. Maybe that's I, a trade. That, that could I be a like trade it. asset. I do appreciate the, the tight end, the the two tight ends though. So yeah, I mean, you're yeah. Trey is an old school team. Yep, he's getting, <laughs> he's getting down to it. He's got. Three running backs and two tight ends. He's running the thirty-two. Yeah. The thirty-two personnel. The thirty-two personnel. <laughs> he's running the thirty-two personnel, and you know, hat tip. The only thing that would be better if he's running the the uh, the thirty-three personnel with uh, an extra tight end slotted in the in the superflex. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things I am uh, curious about this week would be giving me headaches. I um, not to talk down on RJ's team, but he is. Uh, not projected the most amount of points this year, uh, this week. And I don't believe that it's going to be the highest scoring battle between him and I, if it was, if I was playing one of the top end competitors, I would be like giving myself fits around who to start in the flex. I'm still going to end up debating these by the weekend, but I think this is going to be my starting lineup uh, moving forward. Unless AB somehow convinces me to sneak him in over Gronk. We will see, but. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit scared. For you, Shrey, as this might be an upset, this might be a uh, a trap game. You ever think of that? I have I have thought about overlooking RJ a lot. Even just saying those words <laughs> makes me feel like I'm gonna get pounded by like one sixty to one thirty. Matt Stafford playing against Tampa Bay. Uh, he's got Justin Herbert gonna be shooting out with the Kansas City Chiefs. Daniel Jones has the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I don't know. I love I love the Rams Bucks game. I think that's going to be a shootout. Uh, I think the old, early over under was like fifty. That must be the Sunday night, right? No, they actually didn't flex it. It's four twenty five. It's going to be wow. the game of the week type thing. Um, who's 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 the Sunday night game this week? What are we what are we uh, what are we looking at as a uh, as a fan base right now? Monday Monday night is Eagles Cowboys. Monday night we got Eagles Cowboys. Sunday night we got Packers Niners. Yeah, that's just uh, oh, the old... that's the uh, that's the old backyard football game. That's Jacinda Smith with get catching the ball from Steve Young on the on the cover of backyard football on the computer. I'll send it to the groomie. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's my. This is literally my favorite game of the year. Anytime I see Packers Niners, I immediately think of uh, backyard football. So I'm gonna preemptively send that right now, and people are gonna question me, and then they're gonna if they make it through two and a half hours, they're gonna uh... over under three and a half references during that entire game that Aaron Rodgers grew up a San Francisco 49ers fan. 
Oh, and he was I, overlooked, and, and Alex Smith was drafted number one. Yes, yes. I've heard that story. We've heard that story for 15 years. Exactly. <laughs> and then he's going to come back right back to it. Like, just like when, uh, whenever, what's his name? Matt Stafford's on primetime. They got to bring up Clayton Kershaw. Matt Stafford played on the same high school team. You know, like, it just happens every single time. Really? Believe it or not. I don't believe it. Here it is. It. Here it is. Here it is, boys. There I just it found it too. I've been Googling. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so oh, great. Oh, fuck. Right? Damn. I fucked that up really badly. <laughs> I sent the link instead of a photo. Oh, now, now I'm going to buy the game. On eBay? Do they still have, they still have back here football? I have it. I don't know if it works on my computer, but no, I, really. have, I, have like I have the CD. I have the CD ROM. Number eight is that Steve Young back there in the, the yeah that's Steve and Steve then, Young that's that's BYU quarterback Jacinda Smith and Amir Khan. Wow, who would be your number one uh, uh, backyard fan, football player? Oh, Dimitri, it's Dimitri Petrovich. Dimitri Petrovich is the best offensive no, 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 lineman, now, though, defensive now. lineman. Yeah. Now. Wait, what do you mean? Wait, like wait. in 2021, if they had a 2021 backyard football PC game, who would be your number one pick? Saquon Dimitri Petrovich. <laughs> 55-year-old Dimitri Petrovich. <laughs> Dude, he was the best kicker in the game, and he was the best blocker in the game. Like, I don't understand. He's He he won in the trenches, and you didn't have to waste a, a spot on your kicker. <laughs> yeah. You know what, what his birthday was? Dimitri Petrovich? Yeah. May 17th. 6-9. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. June 9th. His nickname's Paste. Paste. <laughs> Dimitri is a solid player who doesn't make many mistakes. Where do you get these bias? I just looked it up and it, it just Googled it. It says Dimitri <laughs> Petrovich theme song. Can we play that? Should we outro with a theme, uh, Dimitri's theme song? <laughs> Can we please? Yeah. And his, his touchdown dance was he, uh, he was the in- initial spiker of the ball before Rob Gronkowski. He spiked that ball to the fucking moon. He used uh, his science skills to spike that ball to the moon. Took right, out his I'm pen gonna, and paper. I'm going to share my screen and hopefully I can share my sound with it. <laughs> And hopefully that that this will pour. Dude, fucking oh gosh, pace. don't look at don't look at my my other tabs, guys. Oh, right here we go. Great, why is goat porn on? Oh, that's baseball. We're looking at baseball. Can you hear this? I can hear it. Yeah, that's Dmitry Petrovich's theme song. You wrote the damn the damn sheet music. Really bad, <laughs> dude. That does not sound anything like what I would imagine Dimitri Petrovich. I crush homers after that, though. All right, I think that is the absolutely perfect time to end this podcast. Um, you've had the theme song. You have Milan in the background yelling at our our little pupper, and God, it's just so fun. It's always a blast. Can't wait for next week. All right, y'all. Love you all. All right, gang. Love you all. all.